This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking with Oscar Gracie of FanTube Media. Adult Site Broker Talk is brought to you by Webmaster Access, September 12th through the 15th. The show will be in beautiful Cyprus at the stunning Grand Resort on the beach. Go to the events page on our website at adultsitebroker.com for a 25% discount for Adult Site Broker Talk listeners. To register, go to webmasteraccess.com. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites, as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. You've probably noticed our new podcast site at adultsitebroker.com. It has a more modern look with easier navigation and more information on our guests, including their social media links. For more, go to adultsitebrokertalk.com. And we've doubled our affiliate payouts on ASB Cash. Now, when you refer sellers or buyers to us, you're going to receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer a site that has a comprehensive list of the finest strip clubs in the world. The site has strip club reviews and discussions. It's been around since 1993. The current owner can provide the new owner with all the information needed to run the site. Members stay on for an average of 3.5 months. There's a total of 80 to 95 new joins and rebuilds a day. All the traffic is direct or from search, and 99% is from North America. No ads have been purchased, which is something the new owner could do to increase revenues. There are several revenue streams that are currently not being implemented, including banner ads. These revenue streams could easily double or triple the monthly sales. The owner is selling so he can take advantage of other opportunities. Only $750,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Side Broker Talk is Oscar Gracie of FanTube Media. Oscar, thanks for being with us today on Adult Side Broker Talk. No problem at all. I'm really happy to be here. It's great to have you. Now, Oscar is a renowned YouTube strategist, applying his expertise to support high-caliber content creators for over five years. With his background in editing and post-production, Oscar co-founded a company that delivers tailored video solutions. He specializes in driving YouTube traffic for models through his company, FanTube Media. His understanding of YouTube strategy, development, video production, management, and video optimization has been instrumental in generating over 500 million, that's what I said, 500 million views since 2017. 
FanTube Media is a YouTube management service dedicated to accelerating the growth of adult content creators. They provide a comprehensive range of services from video editing and thumbnail creation to delivering personalized videos. They're trusted by the top 0.1% of adult creators and management companies, focusing on building a robust YouTube audience to promote clients' only fan pages and secure lifetime subscribers. So, Oscar, let's talk about your journey into YouTube strategy consultancy and what led you to this career path. Yeah, for sure. So I've been doing YouTube. Well, I've started an account 12 years ago now. And during that time of my life, I was heavily involved in playing Call of Duty. And, you know, after school, I just play Call of Duty, connect to my friends on Xbox. And I then decided to record my footage of me playing the game. And I fell in love with not only playing the game, but also editing the videos as well. Mm-hmm. So I decided to upload short moments to my YouTube channel where I grew my channel to close to 20,000 subscribers 12 years ago now, which is um, a lot more impressive back then than it is now. Not to say that people that can't get 20, you know, you know what I mean? Back then, it's, it's, a, it's a lot different. There's a lot less people on the platform back then. It's a lot of people still. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's still, it's still a solid audience. And what I realized is that there was a ceiling to my skill of actually playing the game and there were people that were better than me. And I thought, you know what, I really enjoy editing the content. So what I did is I actually joined different teams on YouTube. Some of the biggest teams were uh, Saw Gaming and FaZe Clan. FaZe Clan is the biggest esport company in the world. And with them, I produced videos. So their teams, their team players would provide me clips. I would then edit the content and then upload it to the channel. And from there... I decided to actually go to university to study video editing and post-production. And that's where my sort of career took me. But during my final stages of uni and year three, I thought, okay, I've actually got to do something now. (laughs) How am I going (laughs) to leverage the skills that I've now learned? So what I decided to do is found a company that essentially worked with content creators and live streamers to provide them video editing, thumbnails, general management and back then I didn't have data or experience directly managing these people I just thought you know what I have a rough idea of what I believe to be quote-unquote a good piece of content more so than what I could actually produce myself and knowing quite a few editors in the space myself because I was one at the time and I felt like I had a, a good understanding of how to be professional and have general cadence with these people that I found a company that would provide these creatives content um, and work and I would essentially you know set up deals so that's where it all started and it was a really interesting time in my life because Having that work-life balance was tricky. I mean, work was my life, and to an extent it still is, actually. But <laughs> it's, back then I was like on a mission to really provide massive results, and we certainly did that. And what ended up happening is I was waking up every day, and I was like, you know what, I'm dealing with these problems and having to manage this huge team, and it wasn't necessarily making me happy. So I actually decided to leave that to focus on – building relationships with creators directly and actually at that point in my life I decided you know what I realized that ideation is an extremely powerful skill to have and so I decided to approach create and say hey do you need video ideas for your channel and you know a lot of these creators that are massive you know powerhouses 
normally what the speed cleaning they're actually spending most days thinking oh god what am i going to film today you know so to have someone actually assist them with that process gives them not only you know a bigger pool of ideas to choose from it allows them to maintain the quality they want and also gives them that peace of mind because a lot of these creators don't give themselves time to actually take a breath right whilst they're making enormous amounts of money it's a lot of pressure (laughs) it's a lot of pressure so that's how my consultancy really started and it's more fun yeah definitely and i you know what what's really interesting to me is coming up with a concept so there's a creator that i used to work with sunday who mostly does among us and Fortnite content right now among us so it's gaming stuff and mm-hmm. for him we had a creative uh, development team that can literally create anything you ever wanted from scratch because they are they're a modding team so i would say okay look let's do a vampire game mode that's not even in the game so we can create entirely new game modes let's do a vampire game mode where the vampire has to like hide from the sun and then has to like you know kill players to remain alive and and the <laughs> the thing is i didn't even need to care about the game mechanics being fair because for a youtube perspective because this is what it's all for what's entertaining isn't necessarily fair <laughs> so from a game perspective right so we made like the characters really really overpowered and it was really fun and it was getting hundreds of millions in fact i think he he was getting a 200 and something million views a month so it still gets around that today yeah wow so what's the primary role of a YouTube strategist, especially in your work with top tier creators such as Mr. Beast and Phase Rug? Yeah, so for a strategist, it's about looking at the data, looking at the trends, understanding the audience. YouTube gives you amazing tools to understand your audience and see from a deeper level, like, okay, where are people actually clicking off? Where are they re-watching certain moments and why? So Aside from actually having the data, it's actually understanding how to actually use the data in a way because you can interpret it into differently to another strategist that may also be really experienced, right? So where I focus on is coming up with ideas. In fact, what we do is what's really important about YouTube that I recommend to creators is if you're about to create a piece of content, come up with the thumbnail concept and the idea and the title before you even record it. Right, Because if you have a title and a thumbnail, which is the packaging of the video, the packaging of the video is almost more important than the video itself because you can make the best video on the planet. If no one clicks it, no one watches it, right? So so by the thumbnail, that's what they're going to see when they're on YouTube. Exactly. That's the first impression that they have, really. Either they look at the title first or the thumbnail. Either Both they'll end up looking at before they actually decide to click on it. And, you know, like there's a guy that I work with now, Gaming with Gary. So he's been doing YouTube for a long time. He does reaction-based content. We'll create the thumbnails before the video is even made. We'll create multiple concepts. We'll decide the one that we feel is the best. And there are tools that you can use to essentially A-B test, which is where it looks at the click-through rate which is like basically the percentage of people that actually decide to click on the video and offered it. So you can actually A-B test between different thumbnails and, you know, really look at, okay, how can we really optimize this? Because at the top level, a lot of these creators, generally speaking, are actually getting quite high retention, which is really important to YouTube. So if you can like squeeze the extra percentages on the click-through rate, that's where you can end up getting millions and millions of views. Hmm. Very good. So can you share one of your proudest achievements or success stories as a YouTube strategist? Yeah, of course. Just before I do, I just want to mention for for Mr. Beast and Faze Rug, 
for them i come up with ideas for their channels so with phase rug i still do so i'm his his main ideation strategist so as part of my process to give people a bit of an insight into how to come up with ideas you want to use things like google trends right have a look at what people are searching because if you're someone that hasn't already got an established fan base and a way to essentially funnel traffic to the youtube channel to get that momentum which is really important Doing videos that focus on search traffic is a great way to actually start building that momentum. And that's, in fact, something that I actually still do today for some of the models. I'll look at, okay, what is being searched within the USA, which is the primary sort of geo that I'm be focusing. And then how can we incorporate that search traffic into the videos in an interesting way? Because with models, there will be like try-on hauls, right? So there's so many try-on hauls. How can we differentiate the try-on hauls in an interesting way? And it can be something a bit silly. In fact, I really promote something a bit silly because people click, oh, okay, that's that's different. And then they start clicking on it, right? So with them, it's like a real focus on the idea. And then beyond the idea, how do you actually build out an idea in a way where it's optimized for YouTube is, okay, coming up with the idea of what are the segments of the video in what order do we present them so with mr beast a key strategy he does he'll be like okay here's a safe here's an axe you have three hours to try and break into this safe you just using the axe and if you do you get to keep what's inside hmm. and then he'll then show other challenges throughout the video and then revisit that moment at the end to see whether or not he's got into it because subconsciously you're like oh i've got to watch that and watch until the end to see what happens he's not asking you directly to watch until the end it's a good enough piece of content intriguing enough for you to want to want to watch until the end right but to answer your to your question my proudest achievement so it was actually a few years ago. I worked for a channel called Rebound, who's one of the biggest sort of NBA basketball channels. And for them, we, we did a video called The 500 Pound Monster NBA Players Feared, I believe was the title. And it's this guy that's absolutely massive. And it took us two months to develop that video. A lot of back and forth. We restarted it. We changed the voice artist three times. And it was you know, quite a worry internally, in fact, because we were, you know, we had a lot of team members like just focusing on one video, but it, it was a lot of collaboration between many people and it ended up being one of the most viewed videos on the channel. I think it's got like over 13 million views now and it's How many? something that 13 million views. Yeah. People oh like actually God. react to it and it's a really interesting story. Like it's a, it's a guy that's huge. He had like a, yet to overcome some real challenges in, in his life. And, you know, the, the ending is quite heartwarming and it's something that people naturally wanted to share with others. And that's a key thing. If you can create a YouTube channel where people actually talk to each other about it in real life, that's when you know you're doing something right. Yeah. Anything social, you want people to share it because that's how you're going to get the views. Of course, of course. But yeah, and online, definitely for sure. But it's when people at school or what have you or like at work are like oh have you seen that video Do you know that's where it's like the next step for me and i know that that really had an impact culturally on that in that regard and it wasn't necessarily an immediate hit it just sometimes youtube takes a little bit of time to find what they brand as like the perfect audience for that piece of content so you may upload a video that doesn't gain much traction but when it does find that perfect audience and it is like a you know, it hits those key metrics, then that's where you can start seeing performance, especially if the video is what's called evergreen. If the topic is evergreen, meaning no matter what time in the year it's interesting, then that's a lot more powerful than if you were to just focus on, say, some like celebrity gossip that's only interesting for that few days. 
Yeah, yeah, that makes good sense. What did that uh, that video have to do with the NBA? Well, it's to do with basketball. He was actually a basketball player, you see. So he was like a pounds. huge. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely massive. Um, and it, it's funny because even the thumbnail, like it, the way that he when he holds the basketball, it looks like a tiny ball. Like most people will have to wrap their hand around the thing, but for him, it's <laughs> a different story. So, yeah, definitely check it out. It's a great video. You'll have to send me the link on that. So how does understanding and following YouTube trends contribute to a channel success? Yeah. So a, a core strategy is actually what's called trend jacking. So you can have a look what's interesting to people. Perhaps YouTubers are like covering a certain topic. And then if you can serve it in your own way, then your channel will actually be recommended to to viewers that watch the bigger channels, right? So it's important to understand what people are clicking on for to understand what people are searching, to understand what sort of content you can make. There's different approaches. Like when you're a more established channel, you want to really be, generally speaking, creating content that serves recommended, which is where like if you use YouTube and you go on your homepage and your recommended videos, right? That's the sort of area you want to be focusing because that's where you get the new audiences. But for someone that has a new channel that hasn't got much of a following, you want to be targeting search traffic. So with models, and we, we do that, right? Not every model that I work with has an established following. In fact, I work with models that have had zero following and, and end up having hundreds of thousands of subscribers on YouTube. So it's not a necessity. But if you upload a video to YouTube and you promote it using relevant traffic at the moment it goes live. It just allows YouTube to go, oh, this is a good piece of content. I'm going to start pushing it out and helps build that momentum. So let's say a new creator comes to you. She's brand new on OnlyFans or some other platform like OnlyFans. What steps do you go through to make that person register on YouTube? Yeah. So for them, what I would do, again, it falls back to briefly what I mentioned earlier, is that we would have a look at what people are searching. And because it's for adult promotion, we want to do something that is allowed on YouTube that ideally has some element of sexual nature to it. Yeah. You don't have to, but the viewers that are watching that type of content are a better fit to be subscribing to OnlyFans, right? So I'll give you an example, try on hauls, right? So on YouTube, they don't allow adult content or anything like that. So if you're a girl and you're trying on out bikini and you're going up to the camera, like, you know, showing your tits close up and things like that, you're not allowed to do that. Your video will be taken down. But if you have a quote unquote good reason for it, then it's allowed. So wait, a good reason to show her tits? (laughs) <laughs> yeah not actually getting them out fully but if you were to do like a try on okay. haul where it's like oh i'm demonstrating this clothing look at the material close up then that's a reason another example would be on twitch on twitch you're not allowed to just wear thin clothing or like you know wear really revealing clothing unless you have a good reason the reason that they deem good is being at the beach or being at the pool so what women were doing is that they would these streamers would actually have a hot tub in their room so that they so the hot tub's behind them, uh, but that's a good enough reason for them to be wearing a bikini talking to the camera. You see, <laughs> so yeah, that's just something to think about. Interesting, interesting. So, Oscar, let's say it's an established, you know, a giant YouTube creator. How can you help them take their YouTube up to the next game? 
So it's a bit of a mix, really. We can focus on the search traffic, but also recommended. So I work with Cherie Deville. So with her, she's a really interesting character. She's like the internet stepmom is what she's branded as, which I love. It's definitely <laughs> a different, it's a unique approach, right? So with her, we've done more like advice style content. So content that would actually appeal to guys because that's the audience that we're looking to attract here, right? Rather than doing something like getting ready with me makeup video, which would only really necessarily appeal to women, that wouldn't appeal to men. So with her, we've done things like 10 red flags every guy should avoid, right? So this is the sort of thing that guys over 18, 18 would be interested in watching. And it's a little bit lighthearted. It allows the guys to understand her personality. And then if they're interested, they'll then subscribe to her only fans. So we want to like, concentrate the sort of content that we're approaching here so i actually uh, spoke to a model the other day where i looked at her channel and i reviewed it she's had a podcast she's done like a um, home decorating advice and then there was like a try on haul and there was a q a and it's like it's very fragmented so if i was a viewer and watched her home advice video and i subscribe and then suddenly i get a podcast or suddenly i get a you know try on haul it might be too different for me to be like actually i didn't subscribe for that i'm not interested so it can sort of like slow down the progress of the channel so with Cherie like we've done like more personality driven stuff and we're about to launch a new channel which is a different type of content so that when YouTube is looking at what the perfect type of audience is for the channel it essentially is more beneficial to split up the channels where it makes sense hmm interesting I know I've had issues with YouTube giving me a couple of timeouts where I've had my account suspended and I don't even do porn it had to do with a couple of URLs in the description area. How are you able to keep your creators from getting into trouble and having their accounts banned by YouTube and, of course, Daddy Google? Yeah, that's a really, really important question. So the way that you do it is that under YouTube policy is you're not allowed to promote any link that has content that's not allowed directly on YouTube. Okay. So with OnlyFans where most of the creators are on that I, you know, work with, we wouldn't have their link directly on YouTube. Actually on, on OnlyFans you can create a tracking link. So it allows the girls or the agencies to understand, okay, this is how much traffic and conversions that Oscar's actually generating for them. So there's that. But how do we actually promote it on YouTube? Rather than saying something like, oh, go check out my OnlyFans, where YouTube is looking at the transcript of the video, and that's actually how it partly determines whether or not it's, you know, it needs to be age restricted or if it's suitable for ads. It scans through the audio and visuals as part of the checking process. So there's what's called a P score. A P-score is not a public-facing data that you can look at, but basically every word that you say and everything that you do accumulates to a P-score, right? So if I were to swear a bunch, that would add to the P-score. And if it then hits over a certain number that I don't know, then it would then be age-restricted, or if the visuals accumulate to it being over a certain number. But don't you make it so it's not suitable for children anyway? Well, the video itself is safe for work, isn't it? It's not like an adult video. It's not like a, you know. Right. But in the YouTube description, they always ask, is this for kids? And I say no. Yes. If, 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 if you put a setting as, is it for kids, then it will go, it'll filter under like YouTube kids, which is like separate. But it's not for kids. No. But say if like a 15 year old is on YouTube who is like not. I mean, it's technically a child, but like, a, you know, a teenager, right? Then it wouldn't be suitable for them to be listening to adult themed 
content like discussions about sex maybe or something like that right so the way that you actually promote only fans is you would say something like oh if you want to go check out my spicy page you know where to go like you know adult content's free online you don't necessarily need to be super like direct with go check out my link in the description if you want to see more let me drill down a little bit more on that if i can do you actually go into the age settings and fill anything out so no i don't the thing is you don't want the videos to actually be age restricted and the reason for that is because the moment it's age restricted your video is actually limited like the discoverability is way less and you're going to get a lot less views essentially right if someone is underage that perhaps made a youtube channel that has lied about their age which is common that does happen can't imagine i never yeah. did that <laughs> <laughs> then even if they were to watch the video which by the way it's it's still safe for work content. They would not be able to subscribe to OnlyFans because they wouldn't be able to get past that age verification. If, for example, I were to be Pornhub and I were to be promoting Pornhub on YouTube and doing safe for work-ish content on there, promote Pornhub, the issue with there that is that you, you don't need to go through any age verification to access their content, so it's different. Whereas on OnlyFans, there are creators that are doing content that isn't explicit right and and so with the videos that we do with these models we'll say hey if you want to check out exclusive content you know where to go it's that sort of thing and in fact i actually recommend to my models to do a, an only fans version of the video so depending on what they feel comfortable doing they would upon their own decision create a, a shorter version that is exclusively for only fans to essentially help the conversions from YouTube traffic to, to OnlyFans. And the fans that are already on, on OnlyFans will enjoy the content anyway, right? But they're not putting it on YouTube. No, no, definitely not. Okay. So what was the most challenging project you've had and how did you get past the difficulties? Yes, yeah, so I, I would say the, the one of the biggest challenges was actually the early stages of, of working you know, doing this service because it was about two and a half years ago where I got approached by um, an ex-YouTuber who he's had definitely his own level of success and he owned a, a UK-based OnlyFans agency. He recognized back then the importance of YouTube traffic and he essentially asked me, hey, look, I've got these models. There's some that I think would be a good fit for YouTube. I haven't got time to essentially train them to be entertaining because it doesn't always come natural to people to be concise with their words or be entertaining or understand what's actually interesting and the way that approach it, things like that. So he said to me, Hey, look, I really want you to work with me. So that was a unique challenge because I had to really sort of map out how we were going to tackle this problem of, okay, we need to try and attract traffic that is ideally, you know, from the USA or, you know, first world countries that, are over 18 that would be willing to subscribe and spend right and, and you're not allowed to do any adult stuff on youtube so that was really challenging but what ended up happening is by thinking outside of the box like one of the one of the best case studies i can present you that was part of this answering part of this question is that with emily black her name is she is a uk-based creator she has this sort of like girl next door vibe that I would sort of say achievable where a lot of her fans think they have a chance of her essentially right. She doesn't flaunt money. She's quite a down to earth girl that guys find a lot more relatable. It's not to say that girls that are models that are, you know, showing off their nice cars and things can't do well because they can. But I would say the, the most successful niche is sort of being this more relatable girl. Sure. But anyway, with her, what we did is we actually set up a video where 
the, the one of the biggest creator groups in the UK is called Sidemen, and one of the biggest creators in the UK who's part of this group is KSI, right? So what we did is we actually had her film at what's called a smash or pass video where she would show different pictures of, of the Sidemen, the group, and say whether or not she would sleep with them, basically, right? <laughs> That's essentially it. But we had her say certain things that presented her in a way where she looked like a fan and understood the, the, the sort of the culture of Sidemen. That meant that the fans of Sidemen, of which generally speaking are older, that is a good demographic for OnlyFans, would be like, oh, okay, hang on, this girl actually knows us, knows what we're all about, and therefore they're more inclined to actually relate to her and find her more interesting. So what happened is we filmed the video, we then posted it to his Reddit, KSI's Reddit, of which at that time he was very active in in reacting to his Reddit, and his community is very strong, posted it to his Reddit upvoted it and then organically it got a few thousand upvotes next thing you know he reacted to it she was in the thumbnail and she exploded like more than 10x her revenue only fans it was insane so but here's the thing you've got all this traffic what do you do with it so that's what i do with these girls as well as i understand how to actually leverage the momentum in a way that continues that growth and that's exactly what we did with her so but with her channel we presented in a way where it was just her like there wasn't this team and and by doing that it added that sort of the authenticity of of the channel the reality is a lot of these youtubers do have help and some of it like mr beast for example he has hundreds literally hundreds of people he has in-house teams he has ideation strategists he has you know sure he has the final say but the back end of YouTube is something that most people don't really consider or or are aware of. Hmm. Makes sense. There's a lot of people getting help these days because there's a lot of money out there. So how do you stay ahead of the curve in an industry as fast-paced and ever-changing as online content creation? So what you want to do is be aware of what other people in your niche are doing and what's working for them and what isn't working for them and simply make a spreadsheet and just note down that, right? And try and break it down, try and break down the core themes. How can you incorporate core themes in a, in a unique way? So I'll give you an example. With Emily Black, we did like a, a mystery spin the wheel, which is essentially a gambling in itself, right? It's different challenges that are really simple on, on, a, on a wheel and she spins it. There's a random chance of it falling on a certain challenge and then she completes it. Whereas actually with YouTube, you can control the entertainment and you can present it in a way where it's random. That's another thing to consider for audience out there that are listening. So with the mystery wheel, we would select, say, five different challenges. We would have her film it where she spins the wheel, which is a random you know, spin thing that it lands on. But if it lands on the same challenge that she's already just done, she just spins the wheel again and we just cut that moment out. So if you actually have a look at the spin wheel videos, it one by one does every single challenge in a row, but it looks like it's a random thing, right? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, oh my God, all the chances of that, right? Exactly. <laughs> so with her, we noticed, okay, cool, the spin wheel stuff was working really well. And she and the try on haul stuff was working well. So how about we, you know, break down the key things that are working well? And how can we incorporate them in, in a unique way? So we did a spin the wheel try on haul video. We did a say it or shot it, which is where she answered questions. And if she didn't want to answer the questions, she would take a shot. But the shot would be water, and we'd say it's vodka because you know we don't look. You can be really authentic on YouTube, and it's not to say you have to like 
make certain elements you don't have to but did emily want to necessarily want to drink at 11 in the morning multiple shots of vodka definitely not right so it still achieved <laughs> the same objective but having a look at what other people are doing and looking at what like is working outside of your niche that maybe you can incorporate in your own unique way that's really key because that audience might be shared with yours they might have similar interests and so if you can do like i guess it falls back to the trend jacking thing if you can do a, a trend or a challenge or something in your own way not a direct copy that comes across well then your channel is most likely to be recommended to that audience and therefore helps you grow so that's a huge part of how you sort of stay ahead of the curve makes sense so describe your transition from co-founding a company specializing in video solutions to where you are now. This was like a really interesting journey for me because I was, you know, I co-founded this company for years and every day I was dealing with these issues and like creatives, editors can be quite unreliable, creators in general. But if, if it's remote, it's even more difficult because if you don't have them in-house and they just randomly disappear, I'm the one that's in the shit, not them, because I have to deal with the, <laughs> the client, right? And be like, oh, I did say it was going to be delivered in X amount of hours, but the editors just disappeared. You know, what am I going to do? So that was a problem, but... How I sort of transition is I, I was just waking up every day, dealing with these problems, trying to fix and put out fires and trying to put systems in place to prevent it or maybe some things to prevent editors from messing me about. Like if they were to like deliver something late three times and there would be a, you know, they would have a little bit of their money taken off, but then there was some backlash with that. So there was an interesting process, but what really pivoted my whole sort of mindset in fact was actually when I took a small amount of magic mushrooms um, and I, I allowed myself to like think differently about my life and what I wanted to achieve and I then realized okay this is not making me happy and so then I'm going to change it and I just really sort of thought about okay what am I trying to achieve how am I going to do it and who could I use help from to allow me to do it because that's one thing about being an entrepreneur that I think is really important is if you identify the things that you're great at, but also identify the things that you're not so great at, you could you just find the people that, that are great at the things that you're not so good at. And then you can really accelerate yourself to achieving much, much more. Yeah, that's exactly my philosophy. If I know how to do something, I do it. Or if I don't have the time, I don't do it. If I don't know how to do something, if I'm not an expert at something, I farm it out, man. I'm really good at what I do, but it's important that, for instance, for development, I've got a really good developer. He takes care of that stuff, and that's the way it should be. What inspired the creation of FanTube Media, and what gap do you think it fills in the industry? So what inspired it was the fact that, you know, I worked for the OnlyFans agency a few years ago. I actually ended up leaving it because it was quite stressful. And I think what's really important working creators is setting like a solid sort of expectations of like communication, output and things like that. And really for a YouTube channel, like what I found is the most optimized approach is three videos a week, right? So when a girl would randomly like disappear or not want to or whatever, it made it quite challenging. And that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> but the agency at the time, uh, there are people that are obviously really hardworking, but the, the agency at the time were sort of bending over backwards and sort of like some of the models were like making them a lot of money. They were like, you know, just being very lenient on certain things. And it is a very delicate thing to deal with because it's the adult industry. And so with my, like with people that I work with, if they say to me, hey, Oscar, look, I'm not 
prepared to do a video this week i don't even ask why i just say okay and say when is the earliest day and time you can do and that's it right i don't even question it because it's, it's not my place to know but what inspired it is the fact that i decided to go back into the space to work with models but under different terms and do a pricing structure that's very results focused and the time commitment needed is much less so i deliver a results focused pricing structure where if I ask them if they can provide me an hour of their time a week, which is the qualifying question I ask them, if so, then great. And if not, then then don't, right? There was a few models that I met during Miami that said they weren't prepared to give me an hour of their time, probably because they're multimillionaires and that hour, you know, it doesn't make a difference. The money doesn't make a difference, so that's fine. But another perspective on YouTube that I want models to really realize is that I don't know what their time frame is in terms of being involved in the adult space, but YouTube is great for that mainstream content where they can build an audience that is interested in them long term outside of that work, right? So they can monetize things long term elsewhere because it's a huge part of it. It's a huge part of it. So Bantu Media serves an area where YouTube traffic is I would say easily one of the most underserved traffic sources to grow an an adult account, and you know it needs to be done correctly because YouTube doesn't want you to promote OnlyFans on their on their profile. How do you start? How do you edit the videos effectively? How do you create a thumbnail? How do you take the image? Everything that's everything that I provide to creators. Let's get into the nuts and bolts now. You offer a unique service that provides new video ideas every Friday and a content guide every Monday. How do you develop these ideas and guides? Sure. So I've developed over the few years, uh, you know, an idea sort of like master document where I sort of pull from, but it also depends on the model, right? The models have different niches. So if she's an e-girl, maybe she's like the girl that next door vibes, or maybe she wants to, there's a certain niche, maybe she's really into a fitness. So maybe we'll have like a more of a focus on that. So what will happen is I'll I'll have a look at the search traffic, I'll have a look at what's being you know successful within their niche, and then actually listen to what they want to do, and then build ideas around that. And then every Friday I'll present them the ideas. They'll then tell me, "Great, Oscar, these are the ones that I want to do. These are the ones that maybe I don't want to do for these reasons." Any feedback, positive or negative, is extremely important to the process. Uh, then on the Monday I will present them an, a, a guide. Right, the guide actually isn't a script. The only element that it would could be regarded as a script is the intro. The intro is very, very important to the video success. As a viewer, you look at a video, you see a title and thumbnail, you have a level of expectation, right? Mm -hmm. When you click on that video, you want that expectation to be met immediately so that you know that you're actually going to be getting that video. There's a lot of people that click bait and basically the content doesn't match the thumb title and thumbnail at all. So people are like more used to being lied to. So that's why it's really important to confirm that, that they're actually going to be getting what they get, right? So the intro should be serving at that as quickly as possible, address the title and thumbnail and allude to something that may happen later on in the video which essentially subconsciously allows viewers to sort of commit to their video long term rather than just being what I've noticed that a lot of people would make the mistake of is as soon as the video starts is asking for engagement, asking for likes and comments, asking to watch until the end. If you think from a viewer perspective, you've not really provided them any value. So why should you? So by doing that, I've actually noticed looking at the data that the retention actually drops. So just allude to something that they'll find out later on or sort of pique their curiosity and then they'll make that decision and keep them sort of 
you know, engage in that content long term. So they'll then use that guide every Monday to create the content. They provide me the video and the thumbnail images, and then my team will take care of the rest. Sure. And, you know, going back to the to the previous question, I, I would imagine you have to fire some creators because they're not giving you the time you need. It does have to come to that point. But here's the thing about YouTube. Like, well, if you were to say, do an advertisement on, you know, a traditional magazine, there's a limit generally speaking, of how many people are actually going to watch that and consume that content. With YouTube, if a model were to create a bunch of videos and go, do you know what, I'm not filming videos, I've got a different focus, that channel will still passively gain views. So that's a great element of it. But yeah, there have been models that are just like, what I <laughs> what I brand it is sort of like shiny object syndrome where they're like, oh God, yes, I really want to do this. And then it just doesn't happen or they, they give me that hour for the first couple of weeks. And sometimes it takes a bit of time to grow a channel, right? And if a video does really well and the next video doesn't do so well, it's not necessarily a negative. It's, it's a positive because you know what type of content doesn't necessarily resonate with your audience. And just trial and error. And it's, it's not a bad thing. So trying to – some creators like really take that to heart. And I know that a lot for a lot of these people, the performance of the views, the followers is what they – credit their success on so i've worked with a creator and this is kind of like crazy to look back on so i worked with a creator that you know if he wouldn't get two million views in 24 hours on his video he would be depressed he wouldn't talk to his girlfriend he wouldn't talk to me he'd be very upset and it's like you know take a step back and be like right does that really make sense <laughs> you know it doesn't but it, it's it's with with the models and stuff yeah they'll look at video and be like oh it's not done well you know and then they sort of drop off their interest and things but if you commit that time with me and you push on you will see results right because that's how that's how it works really um so yeah so explain the measures fantube media takes to ensure privacy and security for your clients Yep. So with content that they provide, we have an online storage system that can only be accessed by top level management, the editors and myself. So there's that. When it comes to providing the OnlyFans material, so that, you know, the, the OnlyFans version of the video, normally the models will have their own team or maybe edit with it themselves. But there are times where they maybe want to ask my team to do that and we can. When it comes to YouTube directly, I know that there's quite a big problem or a concern for a lot of European models, maybe in like Ukraine or the sort of European countries where they're like, oh, I just really don't want people that I know to know see my, my YouTube channel, right? So on YouTube, you can actually block locations. So that's a concern that we can address. But what's important to remember is say if you're a creator and you block certain countries, if you are to get millions and millions of views there is still the chance that your channel will be seen by the people that you you know and love so that's something to consider well yeah and there's also vpns of course yeah like things can be accessed if people want to access content they will so it's like with gambling like you know there's certain geo-blocking restrictions but people use vpns to access those websites and with youtube like it's a hard dynamic there's been models that work with they're like you know i really want to get big on youtube i really want to grow my only fans but i just don't want certain countries to see it and it's like okay we can block it but if you get a certain level like people are going to find out so just just that is some, a level that you have to sort of accept whilst whilst i will do everything in my power available to me to block those countries there's it could get out right so there's something to um to think about of course. Why is it important for OnlyFans creators 
to have a strong presence on YouTube? And how does Fantube Media support the process? Yeah, if you have a look at supply and demand, like there's so many people doing OnlyFans and there's only every day that goes by, there's more and more people, right? So how do you differentiate yourself from others? And what you can do is use your personality, right? What Think about what makes you unique and how can we then present that online in a way that's engaging for the audience, right? With the guys on OnlyFans, look, as we discussed before, there's adult content free online. So why would people go on OnlyFans and pay money and think as they like you, your personality, they like you, they want custom content, they want to engage with you, they want to find out more about your life. So if you can give elements of that for free on YouTube, say for work, and then allude to potentially, normally speaking, there's explicit content on YouTube, uh, not on YouTube, on, on OnlyFans that the models have, then they're more likely to like, engage with your personality and go oh okay maybe i want to see more right and if you have a look at the quality of traffic from youtube comparatively speaking to other socials generally speaking youtube traffic is actually much higher because they get to know you on that personal level right so when they're on your only fans they're more likely to not only stay for longer but also spend it's really important from that perspective but also beyond being in the adult space growing a safer work audience is a great way to have access to more ways to make money. So with the ever-evolving landscape of YouTube, what do you see as the future challenges or opportunities for Fantube Media and its clientele? It's really important for YouTube to evolve, right? There's a lot of creators that have like massive channels and they only stick to what they do. Some creators can do well with that because there's always this sort of new wave of users that would be interested in their content but some channels like end up dying off right so with us i will help make sure that these girls stay stay ahead of the curve but also be aware that youtube may over time become more stricter on the content they allow on youtube right a few years ago with emily black and some of these girls a, a cheat code to success to getting traffic was really quite straightforward was strip content okay so for example it was like strip fifa so say she this girl was playing fifa against this guy or another girl if they score a goal against each other they have to remove a layer of clothing or maybe they're doing a q a and if they don't want to answer a question they remove a layer of clothing that sort of thing right so the strip content was really popular and it was perfect transition to OnlyFans, right? Because they'll then know being, what's coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, oh, they're in their bra. They're in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I wonder what's happening. What's going to happen next? So they would then do an, an OF version of that content. And that was a great funnel. But now if you do strip content, like you're going to get a restricted. If, if it gets manually reviewed, you're going to get your channel taken down pretty much. Right. There's another area of YouTube that, still people create content for but i would i never do it with my models because i think it's just way too risky and it's actually body painting right it's it's art it's a reason yes yeah? so <laughs> you can paint your body naked and it's allowed on youtube to an extent so how are we going to to do this is it requires testing i think over time we need to be more and more safe for work but it's a it's you know having people part of my team that are helping me be aware of the different options that we can take. One silly thing that I thought of the other day that I don't, I think it's probably too sexual, but there's a, there's a whole niche where guys really like girls and cars. So how about like doing videos where a girl is like in a workshop with oil on herself, like cleaning tools, right? She's got a big spanner and she's cleaning the spanner. Right? There's nothing actually like, 
explicit about that necessarily, but it's quite suggestive. Uh, <laughs> so that might do well. I don't know. And if we do a channel where she's just cleaning tools, <laughs> I don't know. It's a bit silly, but you see what I mean? I think it's about like just being aware of like what things can we do that perhaps is, is suggestive. You don't have to be sexual or suggestive to do well on YouTube, but by doing the suggestive stuff, you attract the audience that are more likely to subscribe to OnlyFans. So that's where I come in. And it's a really exciting landscape to be part of. And, you know, with these girls that do YouTube, they can also collaborate with other models, right? Because if they, if, if a model say petite and blonde, and she does a collaboration with another petite and blonde girl, they're going to have very direct transferable fans there that would be interested in subscribing to each other. So, I can organize collaborations and it takes that, it gives them peace of mind that the ideas they're going to do puts them in the best position to actually go viral and make the best use of their time. Because look, I asked for an hour of their time a week and you'll be surprised how much pushback I've had on over an hour. Oh, I'm not surprised. No, I'm not surprised. <laughs> okay, probably not. Those that are listening, maybe, maybe, maybe more so. I than- can't get, even get people to send me some ideas on what they want to be asked for the podcast. So an hour, <laughs> come on, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why, like, there's actually a new type of content that's like even shorter, and I ask for 15 minutes of their time a week, and that that's more palatable. That's more palatable. <laughs> uh, good luck with that. Well, Oscar, I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Side Broker Talk, and I look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. My broker tip today is part three of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week, we talked about making a good offer and how to structure your site. Next, keep your website design up to date. Do a redesign from time to time. People will tend to think your site is the same as ever and click out of it without even looking at it if something doesn't change. So keep it fresh and up to date. Times change, so should your website. Look at what your competitors are doing and see what it is you really like. If you know a site to be successful, look at what it is they're doing and do some of the same things. I'm not saying copy their sites. I'm just suggesting you improve your site by looking around a bit. You've got to keep up with the times or you'll end up being left behind. Also, keep an eye on your competition and make sure you're offering everything on your site that they are or more. Don't just look at their design, but make sure your offers are good and competitive. The same goes for your content. Do you ever wonder why one site does well and others don't? Check out the competition's content. What are they doing that you're not doing? Be willing to make changes. People can't understand why they're losing sales to a competitor, yet the competitor is clearly doing everything better. Emulate success. Make sure everything on your website works well. Make sure all your links work properly. Check them on a regular basis. If things don't work, you'll lose customers. People are not patient these days. People's attention spans are like that of a gnat. They click out immediately and go to the next result in Google if they don't find what they're looking for, if the site is hard to navigate, or if things don't work. Check all your internal scripts and plugins and make sure they're updated regularly as well. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with filmmaker and performer Axel Abyss. Adult Site Broker Talk has been brought to you by Webmaster Access, September 12th through the 15th. The show will be in beautiful Cyprus at the stunning Grand Resort on the beach. Go to the events page on our website, 
at adultsitebroker.com for a 25% discount for Adult Site Broker Talk listeners. To register, go to webmasteraccess.com. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Oscar Gracie of FanTube Media. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.